No Gino and now no Sid. No problem, right? Right? Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. Sidney Crosby underwent wrist surgery yesterday. He'll be out from that point and unavailable for six weeks, according to the team. That'll put him out for the start of training camp for sure. The timetable that was issued, both in the press release and in the later press conference with Ron Hextall, really didn't get more into that, but there were enough hints dropped by Hextall that would strongly suggest he won't be starting the season either, meaning along with Evgeny Malkin. And uh, that's not good. The beginning of the Penguins' schedule is not easy. The very beginning has them down in Florida taking on the defending Stanley Cup champions in Tampa and then across Alligator Alley taking on another one of the conference's best teams in the Panthers. And there's a whole lot of other quality opponents right off the bat there in October. It's ominous to enter a season without your two resident superstars under any circumstance. It's multiplied whenever you start factoring in how hard it'll be to get points, one, and then from there, how much damage can be done to a season simply by getting off to a lousy start. I don't think anybody could look at the Metro division and say, yeah, oh yeah, playoffs for sure, absolutely. There's no chance they'll miss the playoffs. When you're talking about Carolina being back in the division with the Penguins and arguably the favorite, then you're only talking about three other spots and a lot of quality teams. Every point's going to count, including those in October. Things have changed. And now they've changed that much more. For what it's worth, Hextall himself didn't sound all that worried, um, nor would you expect any GM to come across that way. Here's a little bit of what he had to say about the players that the Penguins still have and why they believe that they'll be able to get the job done. You don't replace players like that. I think we've got some guys from within that we're excited about. I think a guy like Zohorna, who showed what he showed last year, and, and Evan Rodriguez, you know, has got a has got a high skill level. Um, obviously, you know, a guy like Teddy Bluger is going to get a little more, and we need Jeff to Jeff Carter to to, to play well. Um, but this is going to be a group effort to kind of make up for the deficit that that we have here. All of that's fair. All of that's reasonable. One of the things that we've been talking about, you and I, on this show for not just weeks now but months, is that the Penguins have this crazy glut of candidates for the fourth line who spent time in the NHL last season. And one of them, maybe the most intriguing, is Radim Zahorna. Uh, He's a tall, lanky guy. 
who showed last season when he came up that he can play a little bit and he's got some confidence. He might be a guy I would circle as being uh, a real contender to make a difference here. But it's going to take more. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania, and they in turn need your help. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org to find out how $1 from you makes five full meals available to those in need. Again, it's pittsburghfoodbank.org. Let's not kid anybody here. Jeff Carter's your number one center. He is. 36 years old, but it's not like he can't play anymore, right? I mean, unless everything we just saw in this calendar year after his arrival in Pittsburgh was a mirage. Dude's still got it. So I'm not worried about the first line. If you put Carter between, you know, Rust and Jake, you've got yourself a legit NHL first line. It's after that where it starts getting a little murky, you know? If you're presuming that Teddy Bluger is your third-line center, as I have all along with Zach Aston-Reese and maybe Brock McGinn, fourth line is just basically who makes the team. The real question here is second-line center. You know, Evan Rodriguez's name is going to come up. Danton Heinen's name is going to come up, even though he's not really as much a center as he is a winger. Brian Boyle is going to come up as a tryout guy. His chances now of making this roster went through the roof. And by the way, don't think for a second that the Penguins weren't aware of the status of both of their superstars at the time Boyle signed his PTO. And and all of that would be, again, okay. But I'm going to go back to Zahorna here. He, he's the one that if you have an opportunity to fill a top six center role and you legitimately want to learn more about your youngsters and that youngster specifically already showed you something, why not? You know, I, I get that it isn't a rebuilding thing and you don't need to be doing experiments and the like, but to repeat, you've seen him. You've seen him. It was a small sampling, but it was a pretty uplifting sampling. And the longer term pluses for you, if Zahorna produces, if he continues some of what we've already witnessed are way bigger than if you get, you know, a, a nice little extension to the career of Boyle or Rodriguez was able to put a couple of goals in or anything like that. Look, one way or another, I can tell you what the most collective outcome will be from the Penguins not having Sid or Gino at the start. And anybody who's been following Mike Sullivan's NHL career will know exactly what I'm about to say. And that is that he will seize the opportunity to preach defending, 
defending, defending. We've seen it time and again when the Penguins are shorthanded, particularly as it relates to their superstars. It's all about defending. There's a part of this coach, I swear, and I'm saying this in a nice sense, who actually, ooh, I'm trying to choose the word carefully here. All right, he embraces the challenge. I was going to say he enjoys it. Of course, he doesn't enjoy not having Sid and Gino, but he embraces the challenge and he embraces the opportunity to reinstill his system and how deeply he believes in his system. And we have seen that work time and again. We've seen it work when the Penguins are being outgunned from a man game standpoint by an opponent, even by a vastly superior opponent like the one they're going to face on opening night in Tampa. If you're going to try to run and gun with the bolts, you're going to get blown right out of the building. But if you do the Sullivan thing, you play 200 feet, fight for every puck, maintain possession. Oh, and by the way, get some saves from your goaltender. You're going to be okay. It might not be the prettiest thing you'll ever see, but that's where this is going to head. And I'd still like to see Zahorna be a significant part of that. Hey, look at it this way. Training camp just got a whole lot more interesting, didn't it? When we come back, just one question. It's time for just one question that's brought to you always on this program by Fubo TV. Monthly cost of cable is over 200 bucks. Fubo TV is 65 bucks a month to watch all the same channels, including AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh, by the way. And right now, Fubo TV is offering our listeners of this show a seven-day free trial and 15% off your first month by going to FuboTV.com slash DK. I'll give you that web address again. It's FuboTV.com slash DK. Our J1Q comes from Brian who asks, assuming that the NHL goes forward with the 2022 Olympics, would you expect Jake Gensel to be the left winger on the USA's top line? I'm not sure why you're qualifying, Brian, uh, whether or not the NHL would go. They've announced that they have, unless you're referring, of course, to the unpredictable nature of society in the COVID-19 environment, I'll presume that you are. Jake absolutely should and will make this roster. It will not be an easy roster to make. Uh, Ever since 1998, long gone are the days when the Americans had to struggle to find skill forwards to fill three lines. And now you can go really, really deep here. You want a, want a good line set up for you here? I mentioned Matthews in the opening segment. Matthews would be, I think, obviously your number one center. You could put Patrick Kane on the right side. And then you do have an opening at first line left wing. And, Listen to the candidates that you could put over there. There's Johnny Hockey, Johnny Gaudreau from Calgary, 
Kyle Connor, who's really underappreciated through the league, a terrific player for the Winnipeg Jets. Brady Kachuk from the Flames, if you're looking for, you know, a little bit of an extra physical or snarly edge to the position. Alex DeBrincat from the Blackhawks, outstanding player. These are just left wingers, and I'm not even counting centers who could slide over there like Dylan Larkin. Uh, JT Miller's played the wing. Jack Hughes, uh, you might want to bring along, you know, somewhat slowly and not have him get overwhelmed size-wise by moving him to the wing. So many candidates over there. But yes, Jake is one. Jake should be there. Uh, I don't know about Brian Rust. You would have to think, whether it's fair or not, that he'd have something of an edge by having Mike Sullivan be the team's head coach. But I already mentioned Kane as your first-line right-winger. After that, let's just again, just listen to these names. Brock Besser from the Canucks, another really underappreciated guy. He can finish from anywhere in the offensive zone. Just a devastating wrist shot. Max Pacioretty from the Golden Knights. Don't forget about the other Kachuk, Matthew, from the Ottawa Senators. Uh, so many of these guys. Down the middle, you're talking about Matthews, Larkin, Miller, Hughes. Don't forget Jack Eichel. You know, if and when he makes a full recovery. There's a lot of forwards here. Jake's going to make it, but Rust, Rust is a little bit of a... That's a little bit of a different category. The one thing that would work in Rust's favor is that he has extensive experience in penalty killing. And the other thing I think that would work to his advantage is that Sullivan loves the idea of players who can slide up and down the lineup. Remember that these Olympic teams are not picked the way you pick all-star teams. You're not looking necessarily for the 20 best players. You're looking for the best team. And there will be guys who make this team and Team Canada and Team Russia and Team Sweden and Team Finland who you'll think, really? Really? That's who they're going with? The idea is how it all works together. And that's why I think Rust does have a chance. Great question, Brian. This stuff is fun, the Olympic stuff, even months in advance. I appreciate that. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. Let's do another one tomorrow.